I know that maybe uh, many of you, and I'm going to ask you today, how many of you can relate with me when you uh, think about your family and friends, maybe some of them that you're going to meet with uh, this next week, uh, and uh, there's somebody in the bunch, or maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's whoever, somebody in the bunch that is just what you would describe as extra bubbly. Do you have any of those? Like extra bubbly that there's um, always saying something or doing something or singing something or making uh, some kind of, of noise or dancing or whistling or humming a tune. Um, our mom, Steph's, uh, Steph's mom, would um, always say uh, about Steph's brother uh, that he just has a happy heart. He can't help that he makes that much noise, right? Uh, and so he just has a happy heart. And, and she would say that over and over again, especially in the times when it got uh, extremely annoying, right? He just has a happy heart. I give him grace. And, and so I, I know a couple people like that. I, and then uh, we had a daughter, and we named her JoJo, and she's one of those happy heart characters, right? It is constant. It is nonstop. There's always a dance, right? There's always a wiggle. Um, in, in breakfast time, there's at least four or five interruptions of getting up from the table and doing some sort of dance. Sometimes it involves smacking your head on the table, which is always fun, right? Um, but she has a, she's a happy heart. She's a happy heart um, character, uh, and if you spend any time uh, with her, you'll notice that um, that she's always talking or singing or doing whatever. And in fact, that's translated um, to the church. We know that she's got a happy heart because we watch her um, sing and perform and make up goofy songs in the in the living room um, because she's around people that that she knows that will love her and pick her up after she hits the dining room table and and embrace her. Right. Um, but we talk about the church um, often with her. Uh, and uh, in fact, the other day we had to talk again uh, about the church with Jojo and had to explain to her that um, uh, we as pastors don't in fact own the church, as she was telling her friends, right? That's not, that's not our role. Uh, we don't own the church building, which is always an interesting conversation. Uh, but one of the things we always tell her is that the people of the church love you, right? We are, we are called together as the people of God. Together we are better, and we try to live that out in the ways in which we communicate with our, with our children. And so she's taking that to heart. If you're here for the, the children's program, where the whole time I was trying to get her to back up from the microphone because she was very close, but she just let it loose, right? There's the happy heart going. She even did the cha-cha and winked at the end of it, right? <laughs> because she's just got that, that wiggle. There's a song and a wiggle, there are people in our lives that have those, those happy hearts. And there are times in my life when I'm not a curmudgeon that I wish that I had that freedom, right? Have you ever been in that situation where you see someone super excited and you think to yourself, man, I wish that was me, right? I wish that I, that I had that freedom, that I had that joy, that I had um, that whatever, whatever it is. And so today as we open up the pages of Scripture on this last Sunday of the season of Advent, we're going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 1 this morning, but we're going to look at a, at a person that has a happy heart. She's kind of a person that we talk about often when we talk about Christmas. Uh, that person is, is Mary, and so we're going to come uh, and, and read uh, from Luke chapter 1 um, this morning, starting in, in verse 39. Uh, but before we get there, let me give you a little background of where we are. Uh, Luke chapter 1 um, it starts, and it's all about the babies, right, and all about the people 
that are bringing about the babies that God is inviting uh, into this story. Uh, John the Baptist's birth is, is foretold. Zechariah the priest and his wife Elizabeth. And there's this interesting story where um, Zechariah loses his voice, right? He can't proclaim. Uh, and then, uh, then there's uh, the, this, uh, the meeting of the angel. Uh, Gabriel comes to Mary. And uh, it's a pretty exciting part of the story um, where Mary is told that she will give birth to uh, the Savior. And she basically says, yes, you know, may your will um, be done. I'll be a part of it. May, uh, may, you, uh, may I step into your calling? And she says, yes, in that moment. And then we get to the passage that we we're at today, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse um, 39, as we hear and see um, interaction between Mary and, and, and Elizabeth uh, this morning. So church, hear the word of the Lord this morning. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39, it says this. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried into a town in the, hitty, in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored, uh, favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of, the, of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their throne, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Well, I don't know what you uh, believe about Mary. I know that we have a diverse group, a group of people um, here this morning. Some of you um, have uh, a lot of thoughts about Mary. Some of you don't, right? She just comes up at Christmas time um, every once in a while. Uh, and, and so we've uh, had this different tradition about Mary. Uh, sometimes um, us as, as, as Protestants or, or evangelicals, we kind of take the stance of, of we don't want to put too much importance on Mary. And so we kind of push that aside and and and. and some ways I think we miss a little bit, um, but we don't want to dig into all of that this morning because that'd be an extremely long conversation. But today I want us to look at the story of Mary uh, and look at the ways in which she responds with her cousin Elizabeth um, to see a couple of different things about who God is, but also about um, the interaction between the two. Uh, and so as we as we jump into this, we, we see that the, Mary is this one with with this ha- happy heart, and, and, and she's in this situation that um, is incredibly difficult. I've never tried to put myself in the situation of a teenage girl, right? It was difficult 
It was a difficult week this week. I haven't done that. I've never been pregnant, and so I haven't experienced that. Stephanie one time uh, preached the Magnificat uh, here, right, with Jack, and uh, pregnant, and, and, and it just brings a whole new element to, uh, to, to these scriptures. But um, we, we know that Mary uh, says yes, and we, we, we've heard this uh, before, but the, the angel visits her, and, and as soon as she says yes, or may it be so, uh, to Gabriel's visiting announcement, she hops on the donkey and goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, right? So she 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 gets this news and then there's automatically some some action in, involved. She hops on, on the donkey, she gets on the highway, she goes and, and sees her, her cousin Elizabeth and, and, and with news like this, thinking from her situation, I think that some of us, when we receive, receive uh, callings or when we receive uh, news in our life, the, the temptation is to kind of isolate, right? I remember when God called me, it was an absolute no, right? Uh, and no, I don't want to participate in that. No, that's scary. I'd rather not. Uh, and so it was an isolating uh, thing. I don't want to tell anybody because then I'll be held to it, right? I don't want to, I don't want to be a part, part of that because then things will even get scarier. But she doesn't keep God's revelation, this good news, a secret. She doesn't attempt to carry the news alone. And she, she, she seeks out this fellow servant. In the interaction with the angel, the, Gabriel mentions uh, that, that something's going to happen with, with her cousin Elizabeth, that she's already six months pregnant, and so she gets on the road, and she goes to, to, to see her. And we're here, and we're in this interaction where Mary and Elizabeth have this greeting, and, and they, are, they, are, they are here, and they are together, and it is a beautiful image that we have in Scripture here. But I imagine that, that Mary's heart raced with anticipation. That, that Elizabeth's face kept coming uh, to her mind as she was traveling to this place. Luke doesn't really elaborate or give us any Mary's reasons for visiting Elizabeth, but it's kind of easy to imagine why a girl with a story such as hers might make such an urgent journey, right? To, to get out of town, to find uh, some new uh, scenery, to see someone who, who just might understand and, and, and know what it means to, to, to be in this situation. All the smart kids in the big books write that Mary was only a teenager, about 13 or, or, or 14 years old. So we can imagine, like I told you, I'm not good at imagining what it means to be a 13 or 14-year-old teenager, but I, I can imagine that there is incredible pressure in this situation. And that this is, um, this reality of it is, is that, that it's scandalous. If all goes well, then she'll be the talk of the town where everybody and their grandmother will have something negative to say, and that's the good side of it. Right? If things don't go well and people are angry, she risks incredibly cruel punishment and possibly death by being stoned. And so this young lady needs a safe place to, to process. She needs connection and affirmation to continue down this road. Mary needs someone to celebrate the saving action of God in her life. Mary needs someone to, to, to believe her because this is a sensitive topic and, and, and a sensitive situation to say the least. Mary needs someone whose arms are open to her to receive her and not reject her, to love her rather than judge her, to build her up rather than tear her down. 
So this young teenage girl who's just received this news decides that she's going to travel 70 plus miles to visit Elizabeth. And this is not I-84, right? This is not like comfy 80 mile an hour or you 85 mile an hour or 86. I've seen you, right? Not me, right? But this is an I-84, but this is a, a dangerous journey for any traveler, especially a young Roman, that, that bandits were a constant threat, that she can't do this alone, so she needs some sort of entourage to, to accompany her. But she, she gets there. She takes the steps to go to a place that, 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 that she is being called to. Elizabeth's name is mentioned, and so she sets out on this journey. Mary gets there, and we have this beautiful scene. We've got um, artwork everywhere, Mike, if you could throw that up on the, on the screen, uh, uh, of many artists attempting to give us this image uh, of this scene, these two beautiful women that, that, that have been called by God, servants of God, who show us what it means to say yes to, to God's action and God's plan. In fact, we could say that these two women were, at this time, the only two Christians on the planet that awesome day, as they come together and they embrace. Mary and Elizabeth, they greet one another. They confess their faith as Elizabeth is the first one ever to call Jesus her Lord in verse 43. She proclaims it with her lips. She confirms it to this young lady, Mary, and to the universe. This is like the first Christian worship service ever, right? Right there in the living room, right there in the the house setting and the in the places where we live our everyday ordinary life that they have this embrace even john the baptist does the first like liturgical dance in elizabeth's room so there mary and elizabeth the the young and the old the unmarried and the married the socially established and the socially vulnerable they find common ground in their love for jesus Henry Nouwen, a theologian, says this, God's most radical intervention in history was listened to and received in community. Mary's got this big news, and so she travels, and she takes this journey, and she is greeted with love and grace in this place. They model for us again and again God's gift of connection and community a gift that we see in this Advent season. They shape our imaginations to see what could be. Think about it for a second. What could come up about if we pursued each other with trust and openness, the ways in which Mary pursued Elizabeth, to take that journey, to open up to, 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 the, to this woman? What could be and what could come about if we, like Elizabeth, we created space in our hearts to receive and love the marginalized and the vulnerable that we know? What could come about if we embrace rather than judge those who dare to come to us seeking refuge and nurture? And think about this. This could have gone very differently, Right? I, I'm, I'm Mary, and I've got this. I've got this big news, and and, and Elizabeth is in, mentioned by the the angel, but but Elizabeth, she's just too old, right? I can't relate to her. She's like as old as my mom, right? Like I can't I can't do that. I, I'm what is what is she going to tell me? 
if Mary stayed home, things might be, be a little bit different. Or, or what if Elizabeth would have responded differently? Uh, she's a teenager. She's 13 or 14 years old. And, and she says that she's pregnant. What? Right? She's, she's not married. She's not in that relationship. And, and what in the world is going on? I should tell your father. Right? Things could have gone differently, but we see God's gift of connection and community. And what a beautiful challenge and example this is for the church to lean into. That we might be people that are, are full of grace, that, that, that we love the marginalized and the vulnerable that we know. Well, what would come about if we embraced rather than judged right off the bat those who dare come to us or, or to seek refuge or love from us what would we look like if we stopped uh, stopping ourselves from talking to someone that that we feel led to talk to to be vulnerable with god's gift of connection and community is is laid out with these two and and then they continue and we see a gift of, of blessing as we continue as as mary is is there and in this place and and her story is here and we know that mary's story is hard in in this passage because it's just so short Gabriel comes and he announces it, and Mary's there and she gets up and she goes and she says, yes, I'm the Lord's servant, maybe so, but mercy, there's just so much underneath it all that we don't see. Like so many questions and, and so many possibilities, so many opportunities to doubt and to run. Like, will old Joe stick around when this goes down? Or if he does leave, how will we eat? Or are my parents going to get kicked me out? Or, or will they still love me? Or how am I going to raise the Son of God? We've never asked that question, have we? How's this going to happen uh, again and again? These, these questions and these things that we have on our mind that we, we, we think and we, we probably know that she had some of them as well. Is any of this real? But right in this absolute flurry of questions and right in the middle of this where, where, where there's time to think about it, we see an avalanche of, of blessing come from Elizabeth. Verse 42 and 45, it says this, In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed in the Lord, would fulfill his promises to her. Right in the middle of all that questioning and all those things that would have come to her mind, an avalanche of blessing comes upon her from Elizabeth as she, she comes in to the door. You ever had that experience where when something huge happens in your life and then normal life comes back, right? Like you had that experience where uh, something big happens and you're super excited about it and then you find yourself at the kitchen sink washing dishes the next day, right? Like and things are just normal. I imagine that, that Mary goes through this process where, where, where the angel comes and, and things are incredible and, and overwhelming. And, and then she's here and she's on this, this, this trip and she's going to Elizabeth and she's on this journey of, of 70 plus miles to get to Elizabeth's house. 70 plus miles of walking or riding on a donkey. 70 plus miles of, of sleeping under the stars where everything is silent. 
right? Making food and eating and walking and doing everyday ordinary stuff. And, and I imagine that things become a, a little bit uh, normal, but they also might have the opportunity to become a little bit stressful. Because I know that I'd use that time to live in my head and think about all the possible situations that might come about. And I wonder just how desperately Mary needs this blessing by the time that she lands on Elizabeth's doorstep. She's just got to be physically and emotionally drained, exhausted and scared. And, and how critically she needs someone to remind her that God keeps his promises, even if it takes a long time. That God is faithful even after the angel leaves and the light fades and, and, and things go back to, to normal somewhat. I imagine that Mary holds on to Elizabeth's blessing for the rest of her life and it came to, uh, to mind often. And we know, or so I've heard and, and I've witnessed, that it ain't easy being a mama. And all the ladies said, I don't know because I'm not a mom. But it's not easy being a mom, but, but, but adding the, the, the being the mom to the Son of God is, presents a little bit more difficulty. Right? That there's scandal, and there's drama, and there's danger, and then there's trauma. It's all a part of the role. I imagine she remembered this blessing in times where it didn't feel like she was blessed. When the innkeeper told her that there was no room at the end, she remembered that blessing. When, when she's, she's there and, and they've had baby Jesus and, and then they flee to Egypt and become a refugee to save Jesus' life, she remembers. When Jesus is arrested and mocked and killed, she remembers. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. You know, Elizabeth recognizes Mary's faith is deep. Right? She is she She is. Faith that is deep, and, it, and it's only going to get deeper as she follows God's lead. And the faith alone will, will, will fuel this ongoing surrender that Mary's journey will, will need faith and faith and faith again. So Elizabeth names and blesses Mary's capacity for deep trust as, as a gift that's worth cherishing. Elizabeth shows us what it means to, to give the gift of blessing. She shows us what it means to create space, and now she shows us what it looks like to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in, in blessing someone. You ever had the opportunity to bless someone? It's not an easy thing to do. In fact, you wouldn't believe how hard it is at the end of every service to raise your hands as you stand there and to say, we bless you in the name of the Lord. Right? Like, I thought that it would be become habit, like brushing your teeth, that I'm going to do this. But every Sunday, I find myself like doing like a half raise, right? It's, it's a difficult thing to, to bless someone, and it's not something that we're, we're really used to. But I know without a doubt, because I've experienced this, that there are times in our lives where the Holy Spirit calls us to be a blessing to other people and not just do stuff. Like, not just bake them cookies, that's awesome, you bake me cookies anytime, but to actually say stuff, right? To, 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 to be that, that voice of encouragement, to, 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 to be that voice that, that gives the blessing of God, to vocalize the blessing of God in their life, to point out the ways in which God is moving. 
think what could come about in our lives if we are spiritually attentive enough that when we saw God's action in one another, that we pointed to it. And we said, like, that's amazing. Like, your faith is incredible to, to walk through this with, with that spirit about you or, or, or the ways in which you trust inspire me to trust God more or whatever it is to, to be a blessing and to extend the blessing. So from the gift of community and connection comes the opportunity to give the gift of blessing. They connect when she comes to the door and then the, the avalanche of blessing comes out at the, at the exact time that it's needed. To humbly bless one another when the Holy Spirit calls us to is an, is an incredible thing that we see exhibited in the life of Elizabeth. She exclaims with a loud cry when she recognizes God's life-changing work in Mary. The gift of blessing is a beautiful thing, and, and we know that joy flourishes when we're willing to humbly bless one another. But it continues and it continues to something that is extremely beautiful and, and, and extremely needed then and now as well. The gift of hope. The, this gift of community and connection and, and the gift of blessing make way to this gift of hope. And, and very quickly, Mary receives this connection. She, re, she receives this community from Elizabeth and, and, and she receives this blessing from her and she quickly finds her voice. At the end of the passage, she burst out in, in song, a song that's filled with great hope. In fact, some say that it's a song filled with so much hope that, that it's dangerous. There's this guy, a theologian, a German pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who, who, who was actively opposed to Hitler in World War II. But he says this about Mary's song. He says, it is at once the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. This is not gentle, tender, dreamy Mary, uh, whom we sometimes see in paintings. But this song has none of the, the sweet, nostalgic, or even playful tones of some of our Christmas carols. Instead, is a hard, strong, unstoppable song about the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. My soul magnifies the Lord, Mary sings, to make God more visible and more clear, to magnify God so that the world might hear and the world might go, know that God has invested in his creation, that God is present here and now. She sings of God's mercy. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation, that it will continue to all people. He's performed mighty deeds with his hands. He's scattered the proud. He's brought down rulers from the throne, but he has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry but has sent the rich away empty. Mary describes a world that is reordered, a world that's, that's full of justice and love and care, a world in which the, 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 only the baby that she carries can make it happen. She proclaims, she magnifies that God is present and God is here. Mary's song is so subversive that it's even been banned at times in recent history. It's a song that's filled with too much hope, it seems. 
There's a time in India where, where her song was prohibited from being sung in churches by the British when they ruled. Guatemala as well. And during the dirty war in Argentina, mothers of children who, whose children were missing, they, they banded together and they marched into the city square and, and they sang this song of hope. A song that was so dangerous that the military banned all public displays of the song. You can't do that here. It's causing too much trouble. It's subversive. It's too much hope in this time. Claim that the Messiah is almost here, Mary tells us. And the promise of his lasting reign changes everything. No promise God will fail to keep. That all will be set right and he shall reign. This is the hope that we lean into today. Well, as our, our worship uh, people come to help us respond in worship today, we remember that this is the hope that we lean into and that God keeps his promises even if it takes a long time. We remember those happy heart characters. That God helping us that we may be characters that have the, the happy heart. Not that everything is right, not that everything is peachy, but God helping us, we would be people who see God's goodness and faithfulness even now. People who proclaim with our lips to magnify a God who gives us great hope. And you can even wiggle a little bit this morning if you want to. Don't get too crazy, though. May we be people who walk around in this life the people that magnify God's love and his grace. People that are oozing with God's hope that he will come and set all things right. That he will reign. Dear Lord, we uh, thank you. We thank you for the ways in which you uh, come. Lord, we pray and we ask that you would help us to celebrate uh, fully. May we be people with happy hearts that proclaim and magnify your name in this season, that you are a Messiah, that you are with us, and all our hope is placed in you, that you have come and you will come again to set all things right. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Please stand for the benediction, the blessing as we go today. Beloved church, as we come to the end of this Advent season, may Mary's words encourage you to receive and share the gifts of community and of blessing and of great hope. The Messiah has come and he is coming again. May you go and magnify his name. Go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed.